Hi, Daniel. How you doing? Thank you, mate. Thank you so much for being here. I uh, I've been meaning to have you on podcast for quite a long time because I I have met you. How old were you when we first I was, met? I would have been sixteen. Yeah, so that was at the um, the so awards night when Wisebury first started in two thousand and one. Sorry, Synergy, Synergy first. first. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. So no, it wasn't two thousand one. It was two thousand two, three. No, earlier than that. No, 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 no. It yeah. was. So welcome and. Um, it's great to have you here because Thank I've been meaning to have a podcast of you for quite a while here now because I think that your journey is a journey that a lot of people would be interested into yep. for many reasons and, and, and hopefully they're going to see this. Okay. But you've been a salesperson for quite a while and now you own a show. So I, if you don't mind, I'd like to really talk about all those aspects. Yeah, right? Okay. Yep. So let's start with the show. How, how are you finding it for the moment? And you opened a show in Picton, right? Yeah, we opened uh, in August uh, last year. Yep. Um, and it's going good. I think the transition for me is, is understanding when to start being a salesperson and when to start being a leader. Yep. Um, but owning my own office is, is something that I've wanted for a very long time. So it's, it's exciting for me. But it's it's hard work. It's not easy. So it's And Picton's a great area. Like I, I really enjoy working there. And there's a lot of loyalty in, in, in that area with a lot of the community, yep. which is easy but hard at the same time because it's very hard to get into people's doors where they have the relationship with an agent. But once yes. I have that relationship, yes. then it's quite good. So at the moment, I'm not really leading a team as I want to be leading a team. Like I haven't yep. got a large sales team at the moment. So I'm playing a bit of the salesman's role, but I am learning a lot more about leadership now as I hire people and then... I lose people and I hire people and lose people. So Okay, we're, we're talking about quite a few things here now. So let, let's first start from your dream of owning your show. Yep. You said you've been dreaming about it for quite a while. Yeah, 100%. Can, can you just tell me a little bit more? When um, did that start? I uh, would have started a few years ago now. Me and my family work well together, but we have uh, different ideas on how we want things to run sometimes. And running it all together in one office doesn't necessarily give us the freedom to do what we want to do, right. you know what I mean? So I have a lot of ideas on how I want things to be run. Um, whether they're right or wrong, I don't know. But I'm the type of person that needs to go through life learning from my mistakes. So I really wanted to go out there and just see if my methods work well. But not only that, but I wanted to I wanted to transition from a salesperson to a leader more than anything else. I think it's more important to lead people through life than just to be a salesperson. Yeah. So. Just to have a bit of perspective here, your father, Oscar, yes. uh, whom I made a podcast sometime last year, yes. Which was a very good podcast. Start, yeah. Yes, it was a very good one, especially your mum. That's when you can yeah. see she's the Kennedy woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so your father started in real estate some almost... 1978. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Now, that's 41 years ago. Yep. He then built a, a bit of a business empire and got three of his sons and his daughter involved into the, the, the same show. So now you guys have been working around that same show for a number of years, mm -hmm. right? So how did the family take that break? The break of? Of you now wanting your own thing and, and going nah, out there and doing your own thing? No, nah, they're, they're all happy and excited for it, you know what I mean? And, okay, the truth is, is yes, I'm, I'm running my own office, but it's, it's kind of all together at the same time as well. So yep. I'm not necessarily going out there and just opening up my own office where I'm on my own and that's it. We, we as a family really needed to grow. We couldn't stay five members all together in one office growing just in that place. So it was something that we needed and, and Jason and I were looking forward to moving to somewhere like that and, and Jason and I were quite excited about it and, and you know, we're all happy for each other. Yep. You know what I mean? There was, no, there was no hard feelings about moving on or anything like that. It was actually more excitement than anything else. So Okay. Yeah. And so how did you bring it up? 
to the family that hey maybe this is now time to or, or is it something natural or is it's it like something it's something that was more natural so we we've been talking about it for a while we were trying to find the right place there was an opportunity that came up as you know in Fairfield many years ago which didn't suit us yeah. we didn't want to go towards the Fairfield way so we were mainly looking towards the Camden and Wallandilly area uh, and Southern Highlands uh, an opportunity came up in the Southern Highlands which a bit too hard for us in, to make that move so Camden was the ideal place for us but once Wallandilly came up, Picton, then it was it was a sure thing. So we made the move. Yeah. Okay. So why didn't you go with Ali, or why didn't you go with Michael? Why? But why? Why Jason? I don't know. I think Michael was already established as a manager in right. in Preston's, and uh, I don't believe I could run the team as good as what Michael was running it in Preston's at the time. So Michael was obviously going to stay there. Jason came to Picton with us, or we decided to go to Picton together with Jason because. There was a rent roll that we were purchasing as well, and Jason knows property management better than anyone I know and better yep. than us. So he was a person that was going to be running that property management team down there. So it was just it was just an obvious pick for us to go down that way. You know, with Alex staying in Preston's, it's just more of where she is and, and, and the area that she knows and everything that she has there is based out of Preston's. It doesn't mean that she hasn't got any involvement in the Picton at all. It's just that's where she's based and that's it. So, yeah. Okay. Tell me, so when when did the dream become reality? What what did it take for you to do that? Because we've been talking about this. I, I think that the office thing is probably something that was meant to be probably a few years ago. Yeah. Right? Um, and you've been quite patient. But what was that thing that went, click, it's now time? Uh, I think a lot of talks with you, to be honest right. with you. Yeah, mainly a lot of talks with you. And then really we... The click could have happened a year or two years ago or a year ago, but the right opportunity didn't come along. And I didn't want to make a move to open up another office unless it was something that felt right. And Picton felt right. Picton felt right. I understand that. But what about that mechanism in you? Because I, I truly believe that, you know, from a salesperson into owning your own show, there's that fear barrier you have to cross. Did you have that fear beforehand? Where I, I, I had, not the, so I had sure. the fear of starting something where I was worried about failing. Of course, I had that fear, but can't live your life worrying about stuff like that so i just had one day i've just decided that okay well, well we got to do it and that's it you know what i mean even up until the point where we made an agreement to go for that one i still had that fear of is this going to work you know yep. what i mean but you know it's life I'm, I'm not young anymore i'm 35 you know me since i was 18 i'm not young anymore is that an insult to me <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not young like when you first met me so you know yeah. it'll be always one of those things where i'll look back and and said i should have done it earlier yep 100 but it just felt right at the time and that was it there was just I can't really pinpoint what was the moment, but there was a moment where we just said maybe let's let's try and explore it because I, I'm I'm sure a lot of people will be asking that question. What what is that point? And uh, I'm just trying to think of something that you've done lately that I believe maybe could have been a catalyst. Is that a few years ago you started the gym? Yeah, you start going to the gym. Do you want to tell me what you were doing? Yeah. So where it all really started in regards to the gym that I do now is Jason invited me to go on a trip to New Zealand to go hunting. And um, we did a thing where we flew into a valley and um, we stayed in a small hut. We did a fly camp and a fly camp is when a helicopter takes you to the top of the mountain, okay? And you set up camp there for a few days or five days or whatever it is. Right. So anyways, we camped up on the top of the mountain. We're at uh, 1,800 meters high. Yeah. We were hunting this valley and you know, Jason shot his animal and I shot my animal. And um, we heard on this radio thing that we have that you can take up with you to check all the weather and all that, that there was bad weather coming. So we had to pack up tent and go down. Now, I didn't really train for this experience at all. <laughs> and the day before we meant to leave, we got minus 16 degree weather at night. 
it snowed and everything froze over. Our boots had frozen and we couldn't leave early in the morning like we planned to. So we had to wait until 12 o'clock in the middle of the day for everything to thaw out. So to be able to put our socks back on for our bags to stop being rock solid hard through the ice, wow. everything. So we had to wait. We had to, we had to pretty much thaw everything out. Right. Anyway, so instead of having 15 kilos, 20 kilos worth of weight to take down, which yeah. would be your standard if you're going to be backpacking out of places, we had about 40 kilos each in our packs. And I've never really done any, any serious backpacking like that before and I didn't even have the harnesses on my backpack right. They weren't even level. So because it was snowed through the night and then it was hot during the day, we had a lot of snow melt. So we spent the next, I think it was 12 hours hiking down this mountain to get out of that spot before the bad weather come. I had fallen over half a dozen times. I had reached a point of exhaustion. I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I got 300 meters from the bottom and I reached a point where I couldn't go any further. <laughs> it was probably, it wasn't even 300 meters. It was probably 200 meters from the bottom. And I just couldn't go any further. I had, a, I had my animal in my backpack. I started unpacking everything and I started getting really upset with myself. And um, one of the guys we were with, AJ, had to come up and help me and bring my pack down. He helped me bring my pack down. And as soon as I got to the bottom, I got into an emotional wreck. And I just, I just reached a point where I could not go any further. Right. So anyways, uh, they had to get the boys who were staying in the other hut to come out and help me and, and walk across the valley. We still had another 5K walk to get across the valley from there on. So it was a total of 12 hours walking. You know what I mean? We started at 12 o'clock and we didn't get back till probably midnight that night. Yeah, and I was just really, really angry at myself because it's always been a sort of competition between Jason and I and he got down to the mountain without a problem and I didn't. That didn't upset me, but I was more upset at myself that the fact that I failed when I shouldn't have failed that, that walk. And so... Once I got back from that trip, I decided to find something that I really enjoy. I already, already had been running and I did mixed martial arts and, and all that sort of stuff, but I never really found anything that I enjoyed. And then um, through watching YouTube, I, I came across CrossFit and I really got into that. So I got into the whole fitness scene because I wanted to get better for hunting and to be feel fitter and have more, just to feel good. So if I ever reached a moment where I was going to fail again, like that whole testing of yourself again, I wouldn't collapse and get emotional again. I would want to be able to turn around and, and stand back up and keep on walking. You know what I mean? I wanted to have that mental yep. strength to do it again. So that's where my whole fitness thing came about. And I, obviously, aesthetically, I wanted to look good as well, you know, and I did a complete turnaround. You know what I mean? I'm 10 times fitter than I ever was now at 35 compared to what I was like at 24, 26, whenever we did the trip. So. Mm. that's where it all came about really what a great story but and, and they say that usually like tough moments actually sometimes bring into one's life a much bigger lesson and maybe that was the catalyst for you to become fitter yeah. but now something happens while you were doing your fitness because at the beginning it was for you to become fit and and i could hear you stories about becoming fit but at, at one stage the gym became a place for you to actually compete with yourself and pushing yourself to the next level. 100%. So what did you do with this uh, CrossFit? you want to tell us? Maybe because there's probably that click moment as well. Obviously, I've been doing CrossFit for a few years and I've been doing it now for seven years and three years into it, I started doing competitions. Right. And so when you start doing CrossFit competitions, you usually do it in pairs or in a team. And when your coach usually pairs you up with someone, they usually pair you up with someone that's quite good. So... You know, I, I really at that point had to turn around and be good at what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Be committed at that at that CrossFit competitions and, and start looking at my, my lifting and, and technique and all that sort of stuff. Because last thing I wanted to enter a competition and, and then 
let the other person down I was training with. So really from there on, most of my CrossFit yep. has been getting up at 4.30 in the morning, doing my Wim Hof breathing, getting to the gym, doing an hour and a half session. So doing strength and conditioning first and then doing the hour session of CrossFit and doing a lot of sort of massage sort of therapy and everything afterwards, like stretching and all that sort of stuff. And I think by doing that, it's given me the commitment to understand that, you know, life isn't as simple as just getting up in the morning, and just going to work. You know what I mean? Life's about prep. Right now, if I was to look at what my prep is, every night I do the same thing. I come home, I prep my next day. I wake up, I do my Wim Hof breathing. Why? At 4.30. At 4.30. Because yep. it makes me feel better when I train and it gives me clarity as well when I go to work as well. So do you go in winter like in, 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 winter. in, in shorts and, and, and do you have cold showers then? I, I have cold showers, but I've been slacking off the cold showers lately. So you're, but you're only doing half Wim Hof. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I like about Wim Hof is that it gives me the cardio strength that I want. Right. So it makes me breathe a lot better. And I think what Wim Hof teaches is good. It teaches you to breathe because how often are we shallow breathing through the day as opposed to doing the deep breaths that we're meant to do. Mm -hmm. So that's given me the cardio endurance that I've really wanted through through CrossFit. Uh, but I think the main thing I've gotten out of CrossFit is is my discipline. Yes, I was going to yeah. say. And the, and the thing is I have to have a discipline to go to CrossFit because if I don't go to CrossFit, how do you think my day is going to pan out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel lethargic, lazy, in a bad mood. So it's kind of a great thing, but it's it kind of hard on you as well because if you decide to fail one day, then you feel the effect of it later on. Right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like I need to have my disciplines in place in order for me to have a fulfilled day. And that's where I've kind of I've seen the change in how I do real estate now as well. You know what I mean? I need to have my disciplines every day. If I don't follow my disciplines then I don't feel good. Yeah. And my results don't show for it. So and how long how long before you started winning CrossFit competition? Or did have, have no, you No, well, I, I haven't won CrossFit competition okay. because um yeah, but doing well probably took me about five years doing well. And I'll be honest with you, once we you met yes came along and he started coaching me this yeah, I, saw amazing, a lot more, yeah. I saw a lot more i saw a lot more changes and the other thing which is we have i've had to be quite disciplined with is my nutrition so less whiskey in your cereals no no whiskey's all right <laughs> <laughs> it's a beer that's not good um so nutrition is a, is probably the other thing as well you know what i mean like i heard recently that from joko uh willick i don't know if you know him no anyways he was saying that you know people say that you should be sleeping eight hours or nine hours a day those people probably aren't eating well, that's why. You know mm. what I mean? And I find that when I'm eating well, I have a lot more time during the day to do the things I do. And if I sleep five hours at night and I feel good, it's because I've been eating well as well. So, you know, the balance of good nutrition, training and discipline for work has made a huge difference for me. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I listen, I've, I, 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 I've seen, I've seen uh, you change over the past few years. But I, I've been thinking about what was the click. And yes, I have seen way more discipline coming into your life. So I know the sport has done something. But then is there a, a, a point in time when you throw yourself in a competition and really in the end, it's not about winning. It, it's about winning against self. Yep. So, and I believe that there is that, more, that point in time when you won against yourself. And that's probably a click to that made you realize, hold on, I can do anything. And that's when I spoke to you and realized hold on, there is something different about him now. There is where beforehand it was always, nah, the night's coming. It's, it, you know, I'm, I'm not ready yet or, or it's, not, it's not there for me yet or no, I'm not ready for the business. There was that quite self-confidence now. I am ready now. Mm. 
And then after that, that's when I saw you becoming impatient about doing it because now, now we're ready. Quite often, we just wanted yesterday. Yeah. Was there that point in time in in that CrossFit competition where that click happened? I'm just trying to pinpoint. I reached a point where I had the mental capacity just to push past. So you you go through your stages where you like your head game takes over. So your head game tells you, stop, 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 stop. And the workouts are hard. They're not easy. You know, I invite you to come do it one day and you'll see how hard it is. And so there's many times where you're going through there where it's like you want to stop and you want to finish. Yes. And so I reached a point and it was through the Wim Hof and all that sort of stuff and through the cold showers where I reached a point where I didn't have to stop anymore. I could just keep on going. Right. I could slow down just a little bit, but my endurance just went through the roof. So there was a point there which really did affect me was when I was having those cold showers and doing the Wim Hof. That's where I saw the point where it changed. I can't pinpoint exactly when that happened, but it just happened throughout. It was just through a decision that I said that I wanted to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the point you made because, you know, George Will, one, probably one of the most eloquent person, he's still alive, he's uh, in America, and George Will always said, you know, sports is a great thing because sports bring out virtues in people that they can use and then can be translated in civic duties. And so I believe that sports, when you do it at a competitive level, because competitive level means you're now being measured. Sports, when you push yourself to that level, actually brings out those virtues and suddenly you realize many other things even in as a father that you could do better, uh, as a business person that you could do better. And I think that, you know, this driving the sport, a lot of people don't realize how important it is. Yeah. I, I, don't, do, I don't believe in doing sport just for fun. Uh, I truly believe if you're doing sport, push yourself. It doesn't have to be a competitive level where you have to win everything. But what about being competitive with yourself? Yeah. Because sports at that level will bring out those virtues, right? Just on that as yeah. well, I think the one thing that it's taught me as well is there are moments to think and moments not to think. Right. And when you're training like that, thinking doesn't do you any good. You know what you need to do. You know, I know I need to put that dumbbell over my head and bring it back over my head and I need to get up on the bar and do pull-ups, and I need to do all that. Yes, That doesn't require me to think through that whole thing. It just requires me to do. And it doesn't mean that you go through everything as a zombie and not think of anything, but there are times where you don't have to think about what you're doing. You just have to do it. And when you're just doing it and you're not thinking about what you're doing at that point in time, that's where you, I think your head game works quite well too because you're kind of lost in that moment or you're lost in something else, but you're not thinking of the hard work that's in front of you because it's automatic. So... Yes, do you want to clarify that a little bit? Because yeah. uh, when you say you don't have to think, a lot of people are going to say, man, we're thinking all the time. So when you say you don't have to think, what does it mean? Well, you, you don't have to think about how hard the task is. Oh, you right. just okay. To, you, just okay. Have to, you just have to do it. You know what I mean? Mm. When you're going through that sort of stuff, if you're thinking about how hard it is the whole time, you're not going to do it. I can guarantee you. If you're doing real estate now and you're thinking about how hard the real estate game is, you're not doing well. But if you understand that it's hard, but you just do it anyway... So, so let's put it in the context for, with prospecting, for example. Yeah. How would you explain that? Well, with prospecting, you know your job is to dial a number. Yeah, and ask a series ask of a, questions. Ask a series of questions. Okay, so what would be thinking? If you're sitting there the whole time going, this is the worst thing I've ever done, no one's answering. Right. Um, I just got told off by that person before. Nah, you don't think about that. You just pick up the phone, you ask a question, they tell you off, you move on. And you move on and that's it. Okay, so how could you avoid sensitive people from thinking that? I mean, you've, you've done now all of these things with your dumbbell and all these things. So at well, one okay, stage, the money you, is you in know, pain. You know, you know what the difference is? Is that I enjoy CrossFit. 
Right. So for me, it's finding that point of enjoyment in what you're doing. You know what I mean? If you, the shit jobs do everything, right? Yeah. So no matter what you do, there's always going to be things that you're not going to like about a job. That's why when people say I'm looking for my dream job, there's no such thing as a dream job. Your dream job is what you decide to be a dream job. You know, I think that a dream job exists. That's a job you have in the middle of your dreams when you're asleep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So if you were to now advise someone who's prospecting, what do they do? Do you then find a joy that prospecting will bring you? I mean, how could you find a joy? That well, it depends on the person. Like for me, it's a financial thing. Okay. So I know that if I bring five listing appointments and one of them gets listed, and then I know there's a good opportunity for me to make bonus and then for me to make a second bonus when a property sold. So yes. you got to look at the financial gain. So I have a genuine interest in when I talk to people. Yep. So if I'm talking to a client and they do something that I don't know or they have an interest that I have an interest in, then I'm genuinely interested in talking to them. So when I prospect, yes. I have a 1 in 15 ratio. So you give me 45 numbers a call, I'll get you three appointments. Okay. I guarantee you. We can test that if you want. Why? Because I have a genuine interest in every time that I call someone in what they have to say. And if I catch someone that I'm, gives me two seconds to talk to them or they give me a hint of a maybe that they do want to sell, like that, mm, nah, not interested – I can jump on that, be interested in talking to them and turn that into an appointment. Oh, that's nice. And that's the game for me. So and that's what you mean. You're not thinking about the pain that it's causing no. you. You're thinking about the person on the other side of the line. That's right. So when I lift that dumbbell up or when I'm doing um, hand cleans or whatever it is, yep. I'm thinking of the benefits that I'm getting out of it. Right. I'm not interested in how strong I'm going to be, but I am overly interested in how fit I'm going to be from doing it, right. how healthy I am. You know what I mean? And that's what keeps me going in regards to that. And when it comes to doing prospecting, when I do it, I'm interested in talking to someone that I have an interest in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm interested that when I have that maybe where someone kind of says, oh, nah, not really, that I can turn that into a yes. That excites me more than anything else. So for me, I found, and I've been doing a lot of cold calling, you know what I mean? Because I've opened up a new office. I've found interest in that. I love the idea that I can turn a ah, no into a yeah, all right, come over and give me a price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you got you have to find interest in that. That's what that's what I like. And this is hence you see the virtue of the sports being brought into work. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, this is fantastic stuff. So let's move on here now uh, from the sports. Let's go back to the business that you open. Right? What's the hardest thing now? For me, right now, would be to, it's a transition of understanding when not to be a salesperson and when to be a leader. I've had a few people working for me and I can see that I've, I've been more of a salesperson with them than I have a leader. You and I, we've spoken quite a number of times about leadership. You've done a lot of leadership courses. Yeah, but it's not the same until you actually work it. <laughs> right, I see. All right, And that's for me anyway. You know, I mean, you can teach me everything you want, but until I'm in the deep end trying to swim, when I don't know how to, I'm not going to learn how to swim. So okay, so now let's, let's use this thing that you learn at CrossFit. What's the fun you're going to find now in being a leader of people? So, for example, you know, we've got young Ethan who's working for us now. Right. And I've sat down and worked through his goals. And so now I think the fun in what I have now is seeing how can I get him to reach his goals. Okay. That's where I'm excited. Okay, all right. Well, you Just know, like the prospecting, you're now finding an excitement about that's this right. young man. So yeah? how, can I find, how can I get excited about him reaching his goals? You know, I was so concentrated before on the amount of calls that he had to make, which it was making me angry because if they're not reaching those 100 calls, yeah. then it's throwing me off. And then I'm not leading anymore. I'm just being reactive to the point that they're not making the 100 calls. So that's through Michael. Michael's helped me a lot with this as well. Let's change my perspective on it now. For me, it's not about the cause so much. It's about if you have a person that you genuinely think is going to be good in real estate, which I think Ethan's going to be great, 
It's about keeping them excited about staying in real estate because cold calling all day, not a fun job. No. But it's it's an important job to do. So what it's I, a necessity. That's right. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do with Ethan right now is I want to teach him to be able to make those three appointments in a shorter amount of phone calls like I can. Yes. And that's my other fun bit as well. Okay, well, how can I teach him to be a little bit more like I am in regards to cold calling and getting people to turn around and say yes? And so he's quite good at that. You know what I mean? You look at my diary for the next two weeks and they're full. It's because of what he's doing. Yep. And there hasn't been a day where he's had to make 100 calls because he's just filled my day. You know what I mean? And keeping him entertained through the day as well is important. You know what I mean? Drops and doing this and taking me out to listing appointments that he's got for me, I think is very important as well. So I think I've gone from being a salesperson to being a leader slash uh, mentoring role for him. Yep. And I think the mentoring role is the other bit that makes me quite excited as well because I want him to learn from how I do things. And I guess I'm a better teacher at you watching me how to do things as opposed to me telling you how to do things, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not too sure, but I'm learning. Um, I think it's great leadership that you're starting to do now. Yeah. See, so finding the fun in extracting the best out of people is driving you beyond any obstacles that you could get mm -hmm. along the way. Now, you said earlier you're interested in him reaching his goals. So you know his goals? Yes. Okay. And how are his goals? I mean, are his goals what you put in his head or his goals, his own goals? And It's, his own, it's his own goals. Okay. So yeah. may, may I then say that maybe his goal doesn't excite you? be honest with you, some of the goals I'm kind of like, well, you could aim for a little bit more, but that's his personal goals. That's what he wants to achieve. So yeah. who am I to say? Like one of my silly goals is to build a hut one day. Yeah. That's not going to excite you. Oh, it excites me. Which hut? The one um, no, 1,800 metres? Uh... No, no, no. <laughs> but to build like a cabin, a log cabin one day or something like that. Uh, that that's one thing I want to do before the before No, no, I that die. excites me. That's when you have that Hilton <laughs> on your land and I will come hunting with you. But so who am I to say whether your goals are exciting so or not? So the reason I'm asking this is that there's a lot of leaders in small businesses who believe that, you know, their goal is to help someone own a house. And so all that they want is to push everyone who works around them just to own a house. Mm. And the hence I'm asking you is that a goal is something that excites a person. And one person may be excited by just traveling around the world. And one person may just be excited to have stability in their life, right? Yep. And so it is crucial as a leader to find a goal that inspired that person. It, it may be totally different to us. It may be totally disinspiring, for lack of a better word, to ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if it creates a sparkle in their eyes, that's the one to go for, right? Yep, 100%. Okay, so how do you help that person reach that goal? And do you revisit it once a year? What are your plans? So the way I, I've told him is uh, to have small goals in order for him to reach that goal, okay? So say, for example, one of your goals would be to save $100,000 in a year, okay? Well, how are you going to save that $100,000 in a year? Then you can base it back onto their results and what they can get, their targets, and, and how they can achieve that through real estate. So I break it up into many different stages in regards to, to making it there. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's how I personally have set his goals in stages of how he can actually get there. Okay. Yeah. How often do you revisit it? I mean, do you talk about that every day? Because some people, that's all they talk about every day. We touch on it. Yeah. But it's not something that we've gone back and visited quite often. So we touch on it, but that's that's about it. Okay. Yeah. So what other aspects of uh, leadership are you not taking seriously? In the past, you used to have two gears. Mm -hmm. You say something nice, uh -huh, okay. or you just oh, okay, hit so them with <laughs> a hammer, right? 
how about that aspect of communication these days? Uh, well, I think there's a pause between us before I say anything. <laughs> so, and no, look, that's the honest truth. You like, I, I will, I will assess everything a little bit more now before I make a decision or, or say anything. So, I'll have that little pause, which I don't like because of that pause to me feels like it goes for a very, very long time. But I think it makes it easier for me to communicate instead of being so reactive. It allows me to assess it a little bit more and then say what I think is the right thing to say. You know what I mean? And I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong to certain things as well. So if I've said something where I'm wrong, I'll bring people back and I say, look, I think I was wrong in what I said there. Let's try it this way here. But I think also I like people to come up with their ideas on how they want to do things. Because if I've given you a task to do something and you have a way that you want to do it, I don't think I should stop you from trialing it out that way. Right. So I, I would allow you to go out there and, and trial it out for yourself and see if it works. And if it works, that's great. Then I've, I've found something new. And if it doesn't work, then we can go back and do it the way I think we should do it. I think it's important to let people do the things the way they want. You know what I mean? If they have an idea, go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. So what other aspects of leadership had changed from working around your brothers to now being responsible for a team? I think I listen more to, you know how I said before where we have different ideas? I think I listen a little bit more to what everyone has to say now. So, um, <laughs> Tell and, me a bit more about that one. Oh, well, the, the main thing, what I love, for example, with Michael is how he communicates with his staff and they all love him and I'm can be a little bit envious of that sometimes, but I think it's a great thing. And so I look at what Michael does with his team and go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to take that out of there. And, and How and did you see it before? Like he was being a little bit too soft. Yes. You know what I mean? And I don't mind the hard approach because you could tell me off and say anything to me and I'm still going to be around and I'm still going to work hard and I'm not going to run away from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of like the hard approach. But everyone's not like me, so it's, it's a matter of understanding what that person's like. What Michael does a lot, for example, with Aaron, which we've seen Aaron change a lot, is you bring Aaron in and he'll sit down with him a lot and they'll talk a lot about what's going on and what's the next step and what changes are and he'll go through his goals a lot. And I've seen the relationship between Aaron and Michael to me has been amazing. So I've kind of watched that and gone, okay, well, how can I do that myself? And I can see where I've gone wrong in the past, people that I've, that I've hired recently and why they've left because it's just that relationship hasn't been there. Right. You know it was I mean? transactional. It's very transactional. And it's funny because what's the number one key that we learn in real estate? relationship it's people, yeah. yeah that's right and so i'm a very good salesperson and i'm very good at building rapport with people and whoever i meet i'll be able to build rapport with straight away but i wasn't putting that into the the management or leadership role why because you you've been brought up in terms of transactional thinking or is it because you were thinking hold on i couldn't care less if people talking to me in a nice way i i know to do my job uh yes and no for me i'm a different person for my family and then I'm a different person for people who work for me. I wasn't treating people who work for me as family. Right. Because they're not family. No matter what happens with, between me and my family, if any, we have an argument, whatever, I'm, I'm friends with you two seconds later because you're my family. I didn't have that relationship with anyone who I hired. So if I had that argument with you, then I kind of didn't want you and yes. I wasn't interested in you. So yep. that kind of changed a lot okay. regards to how I see things. I, I stopped seeing people as, as just staff. You know yes. what I mean? I want to treat them more now like family more than anything else. So. That's, that's a big change, man. Yeah. Huh? yeah. This is fantastic stuff because it takes quite often a leader many years before he realized that. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of knowledge in, in you. And as you said earlier, even if you've done some of those course, they're not useless because they're in there. And I can see how fast it's coming out now and you're starting to use it now, yeah. you know? So you're becoming more and more of a transforming leader. But one of the biggest drive that you had was to have freedom of time. Mm. 
So you've worked very hard, earned great income and became free. Owning your own show, did you find a uh, backward step in terms of freedom? And is that a going against one of your values no, now? No, it's not. I'll okay. be honest with you. It, it kind of should and I feel guilty for saying it, but no, because <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I love real estate, but I, was, I love what real estate gives me. And if I can't do what real estate gives me, then it's not for me. You know what I mean? I love the freedom of real estate, but I do work more. So, you know what I mean? I do put the extra time now compared to what I used to before and I do work the later hours. But when we have time for me to go away with my family or with the family or to do things that I enjoy, then I'll, I will make that time. But I'll make sure that I work around that. Don't get me wrong, starting your own business it should take time away from you. But I think if one of our best values is to have, and you've said it many times before, is, is freedom, then we shouldn't stop that freedom. And the truth is, is yeah, I've opened up this real estate, but I've opened it up with my family anyway. So if they ever need to come in and help me out because of whatever reason, then we're all there to help each other anyway. I, I get that. I get that. But because you are now the director of sales in, in that business, you're responsible for more people. Yeah. And some of those people are new. Yeah. The nucleus of the team is new. Yeah. So Don't get me wrong. I'm not going away four weeks at a time, every single time. We, we haven't, I haven't got that sort of freedom, but you know, yeah. like I still make time to do things that where I enjoy. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. But for example, you probably will find that your day's a bit longer now because yeah. at the beginning of the business, there's many other things. Oh, 100% have to do my day's after, longer. You know? Yeah. Before that, you used to just do list and sell and then see you, Michael, you, you run the team. Yeah. Now it's, uh, you do list and sell and then there's time for marketing, then there's time for leadership, then yeah. there's, Right? And there's, so it's and taking a bit more time. 100%. And two days ago, I had three listing appointments in a day. And on average, I have two listing appointments a day. Yep. So when you have all that and you have to be a salesperson and you have to lead and you have to do everything else, it's, it doesn't give you much time. So obviously, there is a lot of late hours working. And the majority of my listing appointments, I prefer to be after 3 o'clock. So if I have two, there's usually one at 4 and then one at 6 p.m. And I'm not coming home until an average 7.30, 8 o'clock every night. Just home in time to give my kids a kiss goodnight and, and that's it. There is a lot of hours that have been put in every day. I think it's very nice of you to say it because that's what a lot of people don't realize is that sometimes it, they feel it's a step back, but it's not. If you're undertaking a bigger dream, it, there's going to be more time involved. There's going to be more investment of you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people go, no, I, I just want to open a, a show and I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to make sacrifice. I'm not going to put more time into it. No, 100% the sacrifice. The same way I had to sacrifice my mornings to get up and early and be fit because I wanted to feel strong again. I have to sacrifice what I have in real estate in order to have a successful real estate and to be able to give my family the things that I want. So yeah. there's always going to be sacrifice. And there's no such thing as making any sort of money without some form of hardship anyway, you know what right. I mean? So you're going to have to go through hard times. And that whole working smart bit is very, very hard to learn. So it, it's a process. It's one thing that I want to learn how to do is work a lot smarter. So it gives me a free time during the day. So I have time to go home and do things that I want with my family. But at this point in time where I am at the beginning of my career, it's just hard work and that's it. Yes. You know what I mean? Up until I reach a point where one of my goals is that always be holding 20 listings on hand so that I can constantly have stock to sell, then, you know, I'm not going to be where I want. Have you got that, a plan so. for that? Yeah. Okay. So what's the plan? Where I got Ethan now is great. Because what Ethan does, he calls the majority of my colds. And I've got a whole heap of warm leads that I have to call, which gives me about 50 a day to call every single day. So yes. with Ethan working on my colds and I'm working with my warms, and every time Ethan gets me a listing appointment that I go to, that automatically comes into my warms for me to chase again. It's funny because when you're calling colds and you're booking in these appointments, you're building a whole lot of warms. That turnaround of turning warms into actual listing appointments can take a little bit of time. But when they start to come through, 
they start to come through well. So yep. for me at this point in time, it's it's building up as many warm leads as I can. The more warm leads that I build, the better opportunity I have to go out there and list more properties and, and get more listings on. And that's how I see the plan going ahead. It's not a, a, about how many calls Ethan makes, it's about how many doors I can get into and how many warms I can build up. Right. So then I have stuff okay. to list. So what, what about time for buyers? Do you, would you have team members to look after then buy appointments for you and, and take buys because then you can focus on what's important? Well, the focus will be to get Ethan to start doing that as well. I would like one more Benchy yep. to be on board and I would like to swap them in regards to that role. So you know how I was telling you earlier, I don't want them to be bored. Yes. I want the weeks to be filled with cold calling, coming to listings with me, uh, learning how to qualify buyers, me qualifying buyers, booking buyers in, teaching them how to do the whole buyer process properly. Yep. Maybe getting them to run open houses and I deal with the AAA buyers. I'm not sure at this yep. point in time. But that's my goal of how I want things to run. Pretty much the same setup as what Aaron and Michael have really. You yes. know what I mean? Aaron is very, very good with sales. And he sells more houses than all the other boys in the office at this point in time. What was the turnaround for him? I think Michael was very persistent with him and, and teaching him and, and mentoring him. And I think he clicked. He had a click. He had a click, yeah. Yeah, he had a click. There was a click somewhere. I don't know exactly where that click was, but there was a click there. And sometimes you probably won't even know where it is, but it's just one of those things where you just automatically just turn around and you go, oh, okay, and you change. So he had a click somewhere along the lines where he, he started doing quite well. Now, one of the things that I hear from you and Aaron and Dan prospecting, and you don't want to do prospecting, a lot of people are still doing the 1960 ways of prospecting, but what about marketing? Now, you have won a marketing award last year with Wisebury. Mm -hmm. So what's the role of marketing in your new show? For me, it's always become, to come across different. So whenever we look at our marketing, it's just, I, I don't want to do the same thing as every single real estate agent. I do believe every single property, for example, should have twilights and things like that that attract them to the property. Yep. But for example, I'm not a believer of floor plans because that's not selling anymore. You put a floor plan out there and someone looks at it and they don't like the floor plan, do they come and have a look at the property? No. So when I'm controlling the marketing on all our properties, all I want is to make sure that that, that property stands out. Yeah. Why are we so driven to just go out there and knock on people's door? What about making sure that when people have got a sniff about selling or thinking about selling, that they immediately think of us? It's a little bit like how Apple, yep. you know? Well, I have a better example than that. Well, not a better example than yeah. Apple, but I have a better brand, which I like better, and it's a brand called Yeti. And so we did a video last year called Wall and Diddley's Home. Okay, it's for a, an old lady by the name of Mari Potters who'd been in the area since, in Oakdale since, I don't know, for 75 years. Yep. And she talks about the history of Oakdale. And the great thing about this lady I love that video, yeah. Yeah, she's a talker. So she, she's really good on camera and she gets lots of conversation. I actually came across her cold calling. I was cold calling the area. I felt that uh, maybe got into the conversation with her. She told me a brief history about the area that she'd been in for 75 years. I organized an appointment to give her a listing appointment, which I know was gonna be a waste of time, but I was more interested in seeing, because I had this idea of doing this video for a while, in seeing what stories she had to tell. So it wasn't really a listing appointment. I don't think I even gave her a price. We sat there, we spoke for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and I asked if we could do this video. Now, what I like about the Yeti videos, they do documentaries on people that they sponsor, but it's not about their product. It's just about their sponsorship. The only time you see anything about Yeti on it is the intro where it says Yeti presents. And then halfway through the video somewhere, there's one of their products that's in there. Yeti do ice, uh, tubs and coolers and all that sort of stuff. Right. Okay. And that's all you see of them. But everyone knows it's a Yeti film. Right. And so my idea 
through marketing our offers was to do similar films like this. Unfortunately, we could only do one because of how things changed a little bit. But my idea was to do marketing like this in the local area like we have in Picton. And the reason why it works well in Picton is because a lot of people who actually live in that area have been there for many, many years. So it's got a very good community. Yes. So that's how I want to somehow market ourselves. You know what I mean? To be known as the agent who cares about its community and tells stories about its community. I like that. Because like it's an that. old community. Yes. I don't think this could work in Preston's. People buy and sell every five years. Yes, marketing is very personal to each area. It's very specific. You 100%. have to understand how the area works, what 100%. makes them tick. It's over 5,000 views on this video. Yeah. I've got three listing appointments out of it. Mm. People really love the video. I still meet people. Who talk about it. Who talk about it. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they've called me half the time sometimes because they've seen the video, but when I go and meet them, they say, I know Mari Potter. Oh, Mari told me that she's met you and all this sort of stuff, and uh, we love the video that you did. I met her niece. To me, that's one, I, I enjoy doing those type of videos. I like, that's like my, my creative outlet. I like doing that sort of stuff and coming up with the ideas of it. It's not only my ideas, but it's a videographer's idea as well. But I like that style of selling. I don't like the selling, the arrogant selling where I come to you and I tell you what I am. No. Yep. I want you to see what I am, you know what I mean? Not by telling you, but just by acting how I am. So yeah. I love that style of selling. So that's that's my view on how to market my office or our office. You know what I mean? That's how I want to do things. Okay. So you're, you're very, very big on, on film. I still remember the cricket. Uh, oh, the cricket one was great. Yeah, the Australia <laughs> one. See, that Australia Day one works very well in the Preston's area. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. So... What other forms of marketing would you rely on? For example, I, I was saying earlier, some schools, they ask for children to have a computer. And I was amazed when I saw that 80% of computers these days are Apple. The kids are bringing Apple computers, not the other ones. And so that's what marketing is about, is that when people are thinking about selling, they have to think about you. So what other forms of marketing um, would you advise people or would you say you're going to be looking at doing in Picton. I think that you guys, you know, Jason and you are very brave. You're not originally from Picton. You're going over there and you're taking on boys who are very, very much like, it's who's the clique in town, if you will, and they they the little groupies, you know? Yep. And not only are you taking them on, but you're doing it in a nice way without uh, ruffling any feathers, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I along the way, you will always, you know, so yeah. with some. But it's a very nice transition. Well, the good thing about Jason especially, he's a very likable person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for him, he has to meet someone and people are automatically drawn to him. He's just that type of person, that type yeah. of personality. What we have done is we joined a, a community thing over there, which is a CrossFit over in Picton. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Unfortunately, we left Preston's where we love, but we joined up this new community where the people were very lovely. And so by joining a community-based thing in the area, it actually helps you become part of it. Yes. And when it comes time for people who want to either lease out the property or so. Uh, or sell, you know, if you're part of that community based thing, they will automatically think of you. For me, if I'm going to market myself, like I said, that I think that video thing is a great thing to do, but it's also be, to become part of the community. There's no point me working in an area where I'm not going to become part of that community. So, you know, joining the CrossFit, becoming very close to the, for example, we went and visited a boat drafting in, in Picton the other day, becoming very close to them and having a relationship with them. What is it, a boat drafting? Yeah, uh, the drafting. They do drafting and all that for right. uh, subdivisions and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, I see, you know I see, I mean? yes. Being close to one of the solicitors in the area, you know what I mean? Going across and ordering coffee from the people there, being amongst that community yes. makes a difference. And and if you're a nice person, which Jason and I are quite nice people, you yes. know what I mean? Then it helps 
people, whenever someone's interested in selling or doing something like that, to think of us, you know what I mean? To me, it's it's as simple as being part of a community and that's it and being friendly and nice. Yes. Not being arrogant, not being rude, just being very helpful or whatever anyone needs. I don't think you even need to throw money at it. You don't have to. Yes. You just have to be amongst it. That's mm -hmm. a form of marketing in itself in my eyes. Yes. You know, and there's a, the obvious thing of, of when you market a property and stuff like that is and when you do it, you do it well. You don't put junk out there. Yep. You know, that's why every property that we put out there on the market has got a video. It's got twilight photos. It hasn't got 101 photos in there. It's just got photos of the main things that look good. Yep. All the things that actually make your marketing stand out. So it's a combination of things. So what's 2020 in store for you? What's the goal? In regards to real estate or in, in regards, regards to everything? In regards to the business now. We would like to reach a stage where, like I told you before, we're holding an average of 20 to 30 listings on hand at a time. Taking control of an area in 2020 would be, I think, a bit too far-fetched. Yes. But I think being consistent in an area works quite well. I think doing things different to other agencies is good as well. Auction, for example, is not a very big thing in the area, but there are people who are interested in the whole auction idea. So selling the auction idea and being successful at auctions would, I think would be something that's going to help in regards to getting us more business as well. Yeah, because um, you'll be the only one, right? The only one that actually yeah. does it. That's right. And the only one that actually does it well. Yes. So Jason is also a great auctioneer. Jason, a great auctioneer. Um, not that the auctioneers really do much, they just show up in the day, but... Uh, <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> but um, but it's, um, it, it's it's mainly being knowing how to run an auction properly. You don't simply just put out property for auction and just hope for the best. There's a no. lot that goes into it. So, yeah. And I quite enjoy auctions. Auctions are probably, in regards to time management, auctions are the best thing you can ever do. Right. But yeah, the goal is to turn over about $50,000 a month right. over the next 12 months. That's a bit low. You it's, can do better than that. Uh, 100% I can do better than that, but... I want to reach that first over the next 12 months. And that, if I reach that over the next 12 months, we're actually doing quite well. Oh, well. It, uh, look, it can be a lot bigger. I'm not meaning to down to aim for low goals or anything like that, but I just want to be able to reach a certain stage and get to a certain point where I'm, I feel good and then aim higher for the year after that. You know okay. what I mean? I don't think it all happens all at once straight away. I think you need to work towards it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I like about you. You always set, I would say, probably highly realistic goals. Yeah. Because you're the kind of guy that just want to overshoot it. Yeah. But set things that you hold yourself accountable to. I haven't seen you set too many goals that you never reach. A lot of people, they say, ah, oh, no, 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 I want to set high goals because high goals will drive you. If you shoot for the star, even if you land on the moon, that's better than being here. I, I get that part. But I, I think that some of these people shoot for a star that is so far that they delude themselves and it actually remove the definition of a goal that you aim for and reach. Yeah, I think there's two goals. I think it's your goal for that year and then the, there's all the other goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? And my goals for the year are usually quite realistic. My goals for five to ten years are very far-fetched, but yeah. they're the goals that I'm lost in that drive me for the future, you know what I mean? They're the ones that really give me something to look forward to. Right. You know uh, I mean, I've only seen you miss one goal in life. You, you mean, you, I know where you're going with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I believe this year you've got to have a third girl. Yeah, that's right. I missed the goal of making a boy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so yeah, three girls now. But you know what? I can't see myself having a boy anyway. Girls are the most amazing little things ever. Yeah. They love me to death. I come home. They're always happy to see me. They're not mischievous. They love to sleep. That makes mum very happy. They sleep all night. But maybe uh, but maybe it's fourth time lucky, mate. You never know. Well, they say on the fifth one there's a 95% <laughs> chance of a boy, so. <laughs> uh, well, listen, 
I appreciate what um, you've shared with us today. But before I let you go, what would be the one thing that you advise someone who is starting a new business? What would be that piece of advice that you've learned over the past six months? Do the real hard things first. Right. All right. So if you have to make your minimum 50 calls a day, you do that first. And you, that's your only interest. Yes. If you need to build up stock in a new area, which you haven't got, your number one thing more besides anything else is to go out there and make appointments for yourself. Right. Okay. You can concentrate on running the business and everything else. Let that happen after you've made those 50 calls. Those 50 calls are the things that's going to make you money. Yes. More than anything else. So you kind of have to be a salesperson at the beginning. Yes. Okay. So that's one main thing. And the other thing is be lost in the community. Be part of that community. That's, that's, you have to be part of that. Mm. You know what I mean? If you're not part of the community, people aren't thinking of you. Be outgoing, friendly. Don't be that person that people just seeing you from afar and you never say hello to them. Every time you walk down the street, say hi to people. Smile. Be friendly. Have a conversation with them. Be interested. So, yeah. Work hard and be interested in people and be part of the community. That is so nice. Yeah. Man, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see your growth. And I think that we're only seeing the uh, tip of the iceberg with you. I think that there's been many years now of information still inside that that information is about to just spring out. And I think your growth, man, it's, it's been tremendous. There's an enormous amount of self-accountability. Mm. Like I talk to leaders sometimes and I see the blame, the finger pointing happening all the time. And it's so refreshing to talk to someone who actually take responsibility for every single one of their actions. And uh, man, thank you so much for sharing uh, your time today and sharing your ideas. No worries. And, and thank you for everything you've done. You were talking about clicks before. One of the big clicks that I had when I was younger was because of you. So thank you. Oh, that's so nice, man. Yeah. You can lie after the podcast, okay? All no, right. Well, you, where's Thanks that, so much. Where's that $100 bill? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks so thank much for so today, much, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.